What is up, you beautiful people? Welcome back to the Built on Bitcoin podcast, where we cover all innovation happening across the Bitcoin ecosystem, usually talking directly to the founders building the coolest stuff. But today, that is not what we're doing. I want to do a kind of more personal podcast about Bitcoin VC. So if you're unaware, when I'm not hosting this podcast, I'm typically working at the Bitcoin Frontier Fund, where I'm the sourcing partner, kind of the first point of contact for any founder that wants to seek potential investment or get help from us. And uh, I want to cover kind of five things I've learned since I've been there. I just crossed a year at the firm a couple of months ago, and I wanted to give some insights into some of the things I've learned and common missteps I see uh, from founders that are trying to fundraise, interact with the VC, and really where this behind the scenes, because there's not a whole lot of content. It's kind of a shadowy world. Um, you'll see a lot of like A16Z will do self-help stuff for founders. Um, there's not too much behind the scenes of what it's like inside the firm. So I'm going to do a mix of both in this. And uh, so, yeah, I, I have five tips or five insights. I'll do them in no particular order. There's no real structure to this episode. I'm just going to ramble for about the next 10 minutes and hopefully you find it interesting. So first and foremost, what does a VC do? This is one that I really, going in, I was kind of blind to. Um, I know they invest money in startups and they turn you know some small amount of money into ideally some bigger amount of money. That was kind of the extent of it. And so that is what they do for sure. The, at the end of the day, a VC trying to get take money, put it in a very high risk bucket of assets, startups in this case, and turn a dollar into credit dollars or a thousand dollars. So, at the end of the day, what a VC does is they look at deals, so they're trying to manage risk and invest in good deals that have the best chance of bringing a return for either their money or more typically what's called an LP's money or a limited partner. And so they get money from limited partners, they invest it on their behalf and try and turn their limited partner's money into a bigger chunk of money. Within that, there's kind of three main functions that a VC does that I was unaware of. It's fundraising, so it's finding money from limited partners that they can go invest on their behalf. There's finding and getting into good deals, which is a very competitive space. And then there's uh, assisting portfolio companies that you've invested in. And so each one of these buckets is massively difficult in its own right. So finding limited partners and getting access to them and say, getting them to say, uh, I'll give you my money, very, very hard. I mean, the best way to do it is from past performance. So if you invested in a fund in the past, you you returned a good chunk of money. Past performance is the best indicator. They're like, cool. I like the way he thinks. He knows how to source deals. He knows how to get into the right deals and pick the right teams, et cetera, et cetera. So that's the, that's the best way if you're trying to get money. But again, fundraising, big topic. Sourcing deals, also very hard. So you have a couple pieces here. One, you have to find the deals. So either founders come to you. So for example, A16Z and Jason Horowitz, they have no problem with uh, sourcing deals. Everyone goes to them first if you're of a certain caliber. 
and they can just pick out the companies they want to choose from the litter. So sourcing deals is one, and then getting into deals. So the hottest startups don't want to give away too much of their company. And so they need enough money to be good. And once you're hot enough, your, your round is oversubscribed, as they say. But there's too many people trying to give you money. You say no to people, and you can be more selective. And so for the hottest companies, which are typically viewed as the best deals, it's sometimes hard to get in. You have to offer value on top of just the money you're willing to provide them. So again, very big topic, tons to kind of like play with as levers, as a VC fund to make that work. And then the third bucket, operating and helping those teams. Startups are crazy hard. Teams are pivoting all the time. You know, you think an idea works this way, something changes in the market or doesn't get traction like you thought, so you try something different. And so a VC ideally should be able to offer some help, whether it's legal or product help, or marketing, or connection to a different investor or someone they know in the network. So how strong your network is, how valuable you can be, another big value add. So that's kind of the broad bucket of what is what does a VC do? It's these three buckets for the most part. And within each one, there's a ton of expertise that an individual can bring uh, to be that their main piece. Uh, okay, so second insight that I was not aware of. It's really, really hard to tell if you're good as a venture capitalist. And the reason why is because the time between when you invest and there's an exit is typically something like five to 10 years. And so if you invest in, you pick a company now in 2023, there's a pretty good chance you'll have no idea how they're doing. You can see some traction stats, but for the most part, until there's what's called a liquidity event, which is when they IPO or some private company buys them, or for example, in the crypto space, uh, their token appreciates, you don't know if you picked a good one. And so it's really, really hard. The feedback loop is really long. And so it's really hard to update your thesis and, and get better at picking when you pick a company in 2023 and you might not know if they're aware until 2028, 2030, 2032. So this is something I think about a lot when it comes to being the founders that I do. It kind of keeps me up at night where I'm like, man, I we passed on them because of XYZ reason and they crush it. What the heck did I miss? Was it the founder? Was it the idea? Was it the market? Something something I need to update my thinking on. And so it's kind of funny because if I miss something, you pass on it, like I'm happy for the founder. Like, you know, every every no, I'm a big believer that you turn that into fuel and just say F you and go build your thing. So I'm happy for him. But when it comes to being good at your job, it's very hard to keep your thesis constantly updated. So you kind of got to keep your ear to the ground, understand what the market is doing, play with these protocols. But uh, yeah, it's really hard to know if you're good at this because the feedback loop is so long. So that's insight two of uh, some of the complexities of being in VC. Third, uh, I got a few kind of common founder missteps I see, because as I said, I'm the sourcing partner at the Bitcoin Frontier Fund. So typically on the first point of contact, if you're trying to get into the fund for investment, you're going to go through me almost certainly as a first or second call. So a few ones I see, they put too much stake in the idea. And 
think there's a quote that success is 1% inspiration and 99% perspiration. And I think that applies to startups, which is that it's 1% idea and 99% execution. And so it's pretty common that you see a founder come in and they have a good idea and maybe they have a pitch deck, but you can tell as you start asking questions that they just haven't thought deeply enough about the idea. And so there's something that comes with putting in the reps, putting in the time where you explore edge cases and the way that you kind of respond to a question shows the depth of how much you've sat in this problem. And so especially in this current climate of capital being more expensive now uh, versus two years ago, the the bar for getting investment is much, much higher that you have to execute. And so typically that means you've got to have some code written. If you're trying to get into crypto and you have some new hot protocol, the chance that you're going to raise a decent amount of money off of just an idea and like a tokenomics guide, probably not going to work. Probably not going to work. Uh, unless your idea is insanely good, uh, even if it is, sometimes it's hard to get people to buy in just off your storytelling. If, if you're a good founder that has charisma, maybe you could sell it. But I think the big one is execution, execution, execution. So start on the front end, try and find a founder that uh, is willing to work for some equity, get some basic MVP built, and then start approaching investors. Uh, on that kind of same tip, if you want to fundraise, I think one strategy that I don't see used often enough is building relationships early with investors and people that can help you as mentors. So typically they'll go from idea, I need to, I need to uh, raise a team, I need to raise some money to pay for that team, and then we can go and be a billion dollar exit. And typically a better way is be in the weeds, bootstrap for a little bit, uh, find someone who can work for super cheap or for equity, ideally. Uh, so you need a co-founder. And uh, don't approach investors asking for advice first. This is a big one. They're, they're just saying, if you want money, ask for advice. If you want advice, ask for money. And I think it's true. There's something about the nature of once you once it's known that I, you're fundraising, it becomes somewhat transactional. I'm now viewing you as someone who's trying to get money from me and my fund, and I'm trying to get parts of your company from you as a good deal. Versus if you ask for advice on a very specific question, I can answer that, and then cool. You can go use it, try out the idea, see if it works, come back to me you know, two weeks later, say, hey, I tried that thing, didn't really work that well, what do you suggest? Or it did work well, anything else I could try. Like This builds the relationship, then I can say, okay, cool, this founder it's legit. He's hustling, asking good questions. I think it's someone I come back. So play a slightly longer game. Uh, we'll pay dividends. That's one thing I see a lot of. Uh, fourth on the list of kind of insights I've gotten from one year in Bitcoin BC is relationships and networking are super, super crucial. I'm pretty much an introvert by my nature. Uh, I've always been that way. I'd much rather, for the most part, sit with my computer or read a book, then go out and party. Obviously, though, if it's a small group and we're talking Bitcoin, I can go all night. But in this business, so much of it is around who you know and 
passing deals, kind of in back channels, uh, getting help to the right people just by sending an email. So, hey, I have this problem with this technical thing. Do you know somebody? Yeah, I do. Boom. Let me send him a message right now. That is so, so important, kind of on, on all facets of it, from legal, product, technical, finding deals, uh, passing deals to someone else. Like, relationships are super, super, super key. And so one thing that I undervalued and I'm still learning is how to build relationships and keep them nurtured, if you will. So having a good CRM, checking in with people, genuinely caring, uh, these are things that I'm not super good at. It's a skill that I've not trained. And so if you are good at that, uh, this is a, a business that definitely rewards it. Um, but yeah, we talk a lot about community in the Web3 space. Lean into that if you're if you're good at that. And most of us have a bigger community than we realize. We just don't utilize it properly. Last one on the list, I put down a position of privilege. I wasn't sure what the title is, kind of fifth point, but if you spend enough time in VC, you do see a anti-VC animus by some in the community. And I think some of it's definitely justified, obviously. Like, we, we're trying to rebuild the financial system with things like Bitcoin, and then you get just so much capital that came in in the past two, three years that is mostly extractive. And so it's in kind of BS tokens and projects that are mostly just trying to, like, rehypothecate this token or get some crazy new speculative token and a lot of it's just pump and dump schemes so vc does because of the seeking of a return uh it can be a negative incentive at the same time it depends on the vc like when i talk to people um i think a lot of people think that vcs have more influence than they really do so for the most part Investor will invest in a founder, I'll give them a check, and it's up to the founder how much sway the VC has over them. I mean, there, there can be a contract, and maybe there's something legal they, they can do if you're, if you're signing for a bad deal, but for the most part, I mean, you're still the majority owner of your company, and it's your call what you do with your startup. And so I think one that, that kind of gets uh, painted too broadly is how much influence VCs have it's only if the startup founder gives it away in some sense it's not usually it's not usually like I paid you now do this thing and that one's interesting to me I think the other one that I have to be aware of myself is VCs are in a position of power so they have capital and they kind of do get to gatekeep what ideas get funded and what doesn't which is too bad because a lot of good ideas uh, should be funded. A lot of good ideas also just don't have good business models. And so that's another unfortunate piece of VC is that there's so many things that would be really useful for customers, but they're more of an open source project or they should be a grant by some foundation because there's no, there's no potential for return visible for certain ideas. So it's very complex, but... The gatekeeping aspect is is tricky. You know, if you look at the stats, it's a mostly male-dominated space, tech is. And so getting women into these roles is something that you should keep in the back of your mind. It's like, is it just because they don't choose to work in the space? Is it because they're being actively not put up 
and and chosen because maybe they're not viewed as leaders or as intelligent or whatever it is. And most of this is probably subconscious. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm kind of saying some of the the quiet things out loud, if you will, because it is I can see criticisms around this where you're kind of in the ivory tower and you're just plick, picking out good startups, and then you know you get to go on your merry way. And it's not totally untrue. Um, I will say though that everyone I've interacted with at least has peer intentions. They try their best, but uh, as my team has a decent makeup of women, and they say small comments like, you know, this group of startup founders that we're reviewing, it's all dudes, it's going to be a sausage fest, these kind of things. Uh, they poke at you because you don't want the world to be that way. And so, yeah, that, these are just more back of the napkin things I've seen in the space is that it is a weird position of power. And it can be weird if you let it, if you're not aware of it, that you just go with the flow and you're just looking for for example, a good deal. So you just say, no, 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 no. It just doesn't feel right. It doesn't feel right. Um, and you can lose sight of some of the bigger topics like, you know, trying to find a, a good female-led group or something. Um, so yeah, these are all just, it's a complex space. Uh, you know, going back to the feedback thing, it's very hard to pick good teams and know that you're doing it right. Well, that's it. That's my five-ish insights ramblings on one year in bitcoin vc hopefully you found this interesting uh hopefully i don't get roasted by something i said kind of off the cuff uh but yeah and for anyone out there who's a startup founder and you're looking for investment fundraise and help in that topic you can always hit us up on our website btcfrontier.fund uh there's a form there you can fill out. I read every single one that comes in. Let us talk to you. So with that, this has been another episode of Built on Bitcoin. I love y'all. Peace. Welcome to Built on Bitcoin. I know that things don't always go your way, but I'll be right here waiting. I've been waiting out. I've been trying to figure out a way to make it out.